Hello and welcome to another episode of Our Generation On Air. My name is Alex Bollamore and joining me this week, firstly, is Micah Chudley. Micah, welcome. Hello, good evening everyone. Evening. Uh, Also with us is Lucas Ross. Evening guys, evening listeners. And finally, Dan Lambert. Evening guys. Okay, so uh, another busy week for QPR with the general bad feeling of the past few weeks placated for the time being. Uh, we go, we will go through Hull and Blackpool before previewing Blackburn away. But first, a key player of our championship winning team, Ali Fallin, announced his retirement this week. And it would be wrong, to be honest, if we didn't at least discuss his time at QPR, especially as we have a huge Fallin fanboy in the form of Micah. <laughs> so take it away. Some positive memories of his time. Um, yeah, I think it's very well documented how I feel about Ali Fallin on a very uh, almost obsessive level. Um, but um, yeah, do you know what? The thing I think about most, actually, when people bring up Ali Fallin is I remember that when he came to the club in 2009, I think it was, um, nobody actually wanted him, uh, including Ian Dowie, who was manager at the time. So um for some of the younger fans, which I assume is most people listening to our generation, um, at the time we had Flavio Briatore and Bernie Eccleston, who were F1 tycoons. Um, I'm going to be honest, I thought you were going to say a different word that started with F there, but you know. <laughs> I thought about it, to be honest. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, they, they kind of ran the club uh, the way you like a kid would run the club if you gave them financial takeover on FIFA career mode. Um, so they just bought whoever they wanted to, basically. Whoever would come and play for us, they bought. Um, and he was one of them. Um, and at the time, everyone was like, why are we signing this guy? Like, we don't need a midfielder. It's funny. At the time, everyone was like, we don't need a midfielder. We've got Gavin Mann. Um, uh, <laughs> but, of course, um, there's that bit in the four-year plan where demand, Briatore uh, demands that Mahon be brought on. And he scores yeah, an equaliser, which is, which yeah, is just bonkers. That's to tell you how much of a mess the club was at the time. But yeah, nobody wanted him. And then within about six months, everybody was like, oh my God, this is the best player we've ever seen, basically. So um, yeah, I just think about how him proving the doubt was wrong ended up kind of being a recurring theme in his career. Mm. Um, Yeah, I I don't know if anyone else wants to take over. I feel like I've been talking about him for a long time already, but... I mean, obviously, it's a, it's a career that's unfortunately hampered by injuries and God knows what he could have gone on to be outside of QPR, to be honest, if he hadn't got injuries because he was immense the season that we went up and then mm. we're right in saying that the season after he got a pretty bad one, was it? Yeah, halfway through the season, it was a FA Cup game at MK Dons. Um, I remember... Uh, it was back in the orange kit. I don't know if anyone remembers that. Yeah, I, 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 I actually remember that. Oh. I was at the game. But... Yeah, you were at the game. Oh, Alex, you should have oh, done nah. Feel bad for you. Feel bad. Um, My cousin yeah. hates that kit with a violent passion. Disgusting kit, isn't it? It's horrible. Absolutely revolting. Far cry from what we've got now. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, no, but you he, know. He rested a lot of players that day, I remember, but he picked Ali and everyone was surprised because he'd been our best player that season to that point. Everyone was like, oh, I wonder why he's not giving him a rest. And then uh, the rest is history, as they say, unfortunately. 
Yeah, so sort of like in and out of the side for much of the time after that. I guess seeing that falling is probably a bit before your time, Lucas. Is he before your time, Dan, or are you old enough to remember him? No, I don't really remember much about him, um, um, a bit like Lucas. I, I sort of remember his later years with us. I'll put it that way. But I mean, he was a a class above in a side that obviously included Adele Tramp. And I can't remember who said this. It might have been Micah, actually. It might have been someone else, but I'm stealing it. Someone mentioned to me the other day that Fallin is was the man who was putting the balls into Tarat and then Tarat would go and do do whatever. He Tarat might go and get an assist or get a goal, but it was most of the time it was Fallin doing the a bit of the donkey work, not as much as per Sean Derry perhaps, but he was certainly part of that midfield that was covering for the lack of effort at times from Adele Tarat, which you know <laughs> you can get away with when you're Adele, but yeah. Uh, last thing to mention on Falling before we move on is that, Micah, you wrote a lovely article about him right at the start of our generation, way, way back. Um, and it actually got a bit of love in return from Ali, didn't it? Yeah, it did, actually. That was that cherry on the cake, really. Yeah, so uh, if you want to read more about Micah's obsession with Ali Falling, I'll put the link into the bio for the description of the podcast. Uh, so yeah, I think we wish him all the best in his retirement. And if he does want to play for QPR in uh, Masters football, no one's objecting to that. Uh, moving on to another person that was influential around the same time that Ali Fawn was at the club. Um, we saw today that Mark Hughes has got a new job, first since leaving Southampton since 2018. Let's have some. Instant reaction to this news, eh? Bradford in League Two. <laughs> <laughs> that is I my reaction. Oh my god! When I when I saw the news um, about half, about ten o'clock this morning, it was I just broke down in laughter. I could not take it seriously. It was absolutely unbelievable, and it's fully what he deserves after trying to burn us to the ground and trying to burn Southampton to the ground as well and Stoke too during his later years there. But to be honest, it is what he deserves. And some of the balance we were having with Bradford fans this morning was incredible. And yeah, um, on, on a real one, League Two is his devil. Um, but yeah, I, I, I just laughed when I saw the news this morning because he's gone from managing Julio Cesar to managing, I'm just trying to find a Bradford player, He's gone from managing the likes of Julio Cesar and Jisung Park to managing. <laughs> well, the, th- the thing is, like, you know, it is, to, it's to bizarre, isn't Alex it? Because he was, I think he was on the coverage for the BBC, perhaps for the Euros in the summer. I think I remember him saying that he wanted to come back into management, but he does seem to be in this sort of class of managers that are, you know, your England, your Alan Pardews that, aren't really in the mix anymore um, for any job in the Premier League and not in the mix for any job in the Championship. And the likes of, you know, Gerard Lampard, Rooney coming through as managers now, good managers as well by the looks of it. So obviously hurting these uh, old managers' chances. And uh, You know what did surprise me though? The one thing that did surprise me is that obviously I think general acceptance around football that he's not good enough to manage at the top level anymore or if he ever was that's another question 
But I thought at least just off reputation, you look, Steve Bruce has got the West Brom job now. I thought he'd like mm. at least be able to get a championship club. Yeah. You know what? And uh, I'm going to borrow a phrase here from another podcast, but he, I, I, he screams uh, Turkish league. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, yeah, something like that. Like, like Transbor. <laughs> yeah, one of them teams. Like, he definitely, definitely Turkish league, but... I don't know whether he's turned down jobs. I don't really care. It's just amusing at this point. And uh, I kind of feel sorry for Bradford. I don't know. They, they don't know what they're going to be getting. Uh, I did have a quick look because it was him that had the links of the agent Kia Jorbeyan, whatever his name is. And uh, William is one of his players. So, you know, you could see William playing down at Bradford soon, I'm sure. Never Many know. Arsenal yeah. fans will agree that that is where his talents deserve to be. But moving on from the past to the present, in a certain sense, we had Hull at the weekend come to us. And, you know, ending it in a one-all draw, we'll come to the goals and whether that was a fair result a little bit later on. But first of all, let's go with the team selection. Austin up top. Did anyone, Dan, you haven't really said much so far. Do you want any objections to the team selection? Um, not not really. I think uh, I, I personally have kept uh, Johansson in there, um, but from the reaction of our fan base over the past week, it was probably to their delight more than anything. Um, Austin coming in, I wasn't really surprised. Obviously, Dykes Dykes is out injured. Um, obviously, the the big the big issue or the conundrum was Willock at left wing back, which I'm sure we'll probably touch on in a minute. But for me, I I. I could understand Watson's reasoning behind it personally. Yeah, um, let's look at Willock at left wing back. Micah, we've seen many people try and hold down that position this season in the absence of uh, Sam McCallum and Lee Wallace. Willock getting another crack at it here, not his best position. What's your thoughts? Um, yeah, similar to Dan, when I saw it in the um, in the lineup, I was a bit surprised, especially when you consider that Odebajo was fit. And then obviously Odebajo, pretty good when he came on and played there. Anyway, so it it, it was a bit of a head scratcher. Um, he, he's put him there a couple times, not just not normally from the start, but towards the end of games. He just doesn't look comfortable there. The team doesn't really look like it knows what it's doing with him that deep. Um, he doesn't even seem to really get that high when he plays his wing back either. He kind of just hugs that sort of middle left third of the pitch. Um, don't like it. Don't like yeah. it. I think the thing that a lot of people um, say is that, you know, football is a simple game and it is a simple game at times and it can get overcomplicated. But uh, just saying that any footballer should be able to play anywhere in any position is in professional football is just ridiculous, bonkers, really. Like it's not ever going to happen. Playing Willock at left wing back is no different to playing, I don't know, Dykes at left wing back it's, it, or Senny Dieng up front it, you can't expect that you wouldn't expect Senny to score a hat trick just like oh he can do a job he's big enough it, he'll threaten no it doesn't work like that he's played in goal all his life to be professional goalkeeper um, and I think you saw that a little bit with the way that we set up last night as well that's something we touch on much later on Dan you did put out a tweet if I'm remembering correctly saying that you didn't think it was that bad Will it no, I didn't. I didn't feel. I didn't feel it was bad. I mean, 
You mentioned the positions there, like Dieng and that in, uh, left wing, but I think they're, they're extremes. Um, you see nowadays, wing, the wing back, well, our wing back position in particular isn't really a wing back position. When you gain territory, we, we almost play two wingers, um, especially a dome on the right. You, uh, what's it nowadays? I don't think there are set positions nowadays. Um, what you've got, the likes of Ryan Lowe, Preston uses centre mids there. Um, people play, Conte plays wingers there. I don't think, I think the intention was right. I don't think the execution was there. Um, especially with Longman, um, there was so much space behind him, especially up against uh, Bernard, who's a, a centre-back at right-back. Uh, and I think the intention was to, to beat him one-on-one, which Willett can do, but it just wasn't, it wasn't his day. Yeah. Um, overall, though, it was a pretty poor first half, regardless of who played where, what happened, what. It was just, wasn't happening again, was it? bit too slow on the ball, what do we think? Lucas? Um, or, um, I'm going to say that it was, it, was, it was rather paltry in the first half. We do never really got going, didn't move the ball around very nicely and got punished when Marcus Force used his force to um, give Hull the lead. Oh, yeah. um, oh, did I hear that correctly? Crashing the shot in off the underside of the crossbar. Um, yes, for those who were doubting, sorry to be the bearer of bad news, but it was over the line. Um, not by much, though. But I think we, I think we deserved to go in one nil down. We were lackadaisical in the first half. We d- we didn't really get going. We moved the ball around. We was a bit stiff in our movement, if you like. And we go in one nil down at half time, and um, we'll come to the second half in a minute, unless Alex wants me to do it now, um, which I can. Do. Um, well, we'll just talk about the uh, the goal quickly. Uh, it was a, f- I think. Hendrick goes up to try and clear it first and win the header, but he didn't really do that, did he, Micah? And it's a quick reaction from Force. Yeah. Um, I still can't believe Lucas said he used this force. Um, yeah. Oh, God. Um, yeah, just to pick up on something else Lucas said as well, sorry. Um, he said about a bit stiff in our movement. Um Again, we we all love him, but I think we can have an open conversation about it. There is a real lack of movement in the final third when Austin plays. Austin is kind of like a bit of a just like a like a pin in the middle of the box, and everyone's supposed to move around him, but it's not the best for creating chances. I feel like I think yeah. that was a big problem in the first half. Yeah, he doesn't. Um, I think everyone knows my opinion on him dropping deep, but. Uh... <laughs> He's better off the bench. He's not quite suited at this point to be starting games. He just seems to be left behind a little bit. Um, and, you know, we could, we played <clears throat> without a striker last night. Some people might make some really cruel jokes and say that we played without a striker against Hull. Um, he wasn't really in the game that much. And if he comes off the bench as a poacher, sort of in-the-box striker snapping up what Dykes and Gray perhaps can't take, then yeah, that's his best opportunity to score. But I don't think we could be playing him from the start of games. I mean, he might go and prove me wrong, but I don't know. I I agree with you on a level, um, but only in the sense when we're playing with one up front. I think when it's just him up front, 
it's just a bit pointless because it, mm. he's not he's never been the quickest. He's not necessarily the most mobile anymore. What he does have is that that sort of attacking awareness of where the ball's going to drop in the box. Um, so, so for me, I've always felt like, even during his first spell, I've always felt like he's better in a two. But, you know, we don't necessarily always play in a two. So, yeah. I um, see where you're coming from. That's, seeing as you dodged my question about the goal, I'm going to hand it over to Dan. Oh, sorry, my fault. <laughs> um, same question, really. What bit poor from us defensively, do you think? Possibly. Um I mean, like you touched on, Hendrick doesn't win his win his header. I think it's Alfie Jones who gets the flick on. But then at that point, it's Barbe who's marking zonally. And I think it's Force who just runs blindside on him and smashes it home, um, which is pretty understatement. But I don't think there's too much you can do apart from literally just do the basics. Um, yeah, I don't think there's, there's much wrong apart from that. Yep. Um, so second half, Moses, as who we've already talked about, comes off the bench and you've got someone a bit more natural in the wing-back position and we look a lot more threatening for it because Willock's released a little bit further forward. Like Mike says, the team kind of know what to do with him now and Moses keeps it relatively simple. He gets the ball and he puts it in the box and there's Ilya's chair to pop up with a lovely finish. This, I think it's actually, it looked quite simple in the moment, but he's, done well to get it into the back of the net. Um, if it was Jordan Hugo, I expect it to be going over the bar. Um, but, you know, it was a really good moment for Moses, wasn't it? Because I mentioned after the Barnsley game that there was a lot of jeering towards him from our fans, the fact that a lot of people were calling for Doma to come on. And we mentioned it whenever we talked about Barnsley on the pod, whether it was last week or the week before, that's not good enough from us, really. You can't be doing that towards your own players. And he's come come on and proved a lot of people wrong, I guess. What Dan, what was your thoughts on Moses against Hull? I thought he did well. Um, I mean, he's probably the most athletic on the side, um, which is handy. Uh, he's, he's Strangely, he's two-footed. Um, probably more dominant on his left than his right, which is it's quite amusing really. Um but it was a it was a brilliant ball for the um for the assist and something we well we didn't have all all game. Our final ball was was really lacking. So no it, it was a good good impact up for him. Yeah. Michael, what did you think of him? Yeah, do you know what similar to Dan, I've always felt that when he's been on that left side, he looks just a lot better on that left side. Um and obviously that the goal was a great example of it because he is pretty much two-footed. He's cut back onto his right foot and he's put in a really great cross. So um, you know, that might be a solution. Obviously, I know McCallum's back in training, but Wallace has just got out. I personally think, you know, he might just be better as a left wing back than a right wing back. Mm. I mean, not bad cover to have at right wing back. If he has a good couple of good games there, then you know, there's no reason why he couldn't switch over to the right to relieve. Doma a bit in a couple of games uh, but yeah. he's a good option he's definitely a good option off the bench um, for the time being at least I would like to see him be that starting left wing back with the view to phase McCallum back into the side but you know so it's healthy for competition and stuff like that yeah. um, do you have something to um, say Lucas? Yeah I do, I do actually yeah I think um, 
some of the criticism one some of the criticism I saw of Moses. I didn't watch the Barnsley match because I didn't watch the Barnsley match on the middle match for that matter. But from what I saw, he was pretty poor. And then he comes on against Hull and proves all the doubters wrong. And I was really happy to see it. And yeah, um, Moses comes on, does really well, gets down the left really nicely. And as as you said, we've seen it quite quite a few times this season. He is a bit two footed. We saw it. We saw it against Man United when he scored that peach of a goal, which I reckon during the normal season is a contender for goal of the season. But yeah, I think um, came on, ca- comes on, does really well. Does he play on Saturday? Probably. Um, but I think if McCann's fit, he definitely could well be an option, perhaps off the bench. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I've maybe I've imagined it, maybe I haven't, but I seem to see a lot of people specifically after Barnsley suggesting that the team lacked a bit of desire, a bit of passion. These are words that have come up in the past in regards to managerial appointments and stuff like that. And, you know, it's something that I've been a little bit puzzled with. It kind of relates to the Johansson situation. You've got a very talented midfielder, and I guess it's kind of typical of English fans, isn't it? You know, you've got this incredibly talented player who can string beautiful passes and dictate the tempo of a game. Um, and yet, because he doesn't get goals or assists as much as other players, or he's got a laid-back style, he's de- defined as lazy and as uninterested. When it couldn't really be further from the truth especially if you saw his reaction to last night's win when he came off and the way he played last night, which we will get onto shortly. And then you have in the opposite, the, the players like Jimmy Dunn, you, you know, your head it, kick it, smash everyone centre-back who waves his arms around a bit, pumps his fists and stuff like that, and then apologises to fans on Twitter. And that's desire. I mean, it's a clear, obvious form of desire, but why doesn't, you know, Jimmy Dunn played pretty poorly against Barnsley and in the first half against Hull and to a certain extent in the second half, when he was on the ball from a creative point of view, he didn't really do much at all. I mean, he maybe did his job as a defender, but when you're playing in our, you know, in our style of play, as a centre-back, you're not just a centre-back. You're meant to be passing out from the back. So, you know, just a question on, you know, why isn't Jimmy Dunn, showing you know is he not showing enough desire uh, he's played well throughout the season but what you know it is what, what you say there is what you say to be fair Alex and I think as well added into it you know the head it kick it defender is a very stereotypically British type of defender it's, it's what we all love to see in it somebody that throws their body on the line so you know those those type of guys are always going to get the um extra leeway from the fans. And I'm not saying that's wrong, by the way, because I think Jimmy Dunn probably has been our best centre-back this season over the course of the season. Um, but it's like what you say, in it? It's just it's just one of those football things in this country. I think we just unfortunately have to accept it. Yeah, and I think it's shown with Hendrick as well. Like he's Because he's come in from the Premier League, but he's run about maybe a bit more obviously than Johansson. And there's a lot of hype around him and he's done okay. I don't think he's been outstanding, but he's, 
he's apparently better than Johansson. He should be playing more than Johansson. I think, like I said uh, a few weeks ago, you cannot understand how important it would be just for the, the leader of the side to be out on the pitch. And for good or for ill, the leader of this side is Stefan Johansson and the players need him out there. And we're just, a better team with him. We're a much better team with him. Much better team. Um, anyway, Lewis Potter has an incredible chance to make it 2-1, I believe, just after the goal. How on earth does he miss this, Micah? I mean, it's you, you mentioned him in the uh, preview saying that he's destined for the Premier League. I did. I'm, I'm very glad my words came back to bite me in that particular moment. He, he takes it quite wide, doesn't he? It comes quite wide. So it's quite a difficult chance for him. But I think it's it's one of those ones where I think he has a bit more time than he realises it and he rushes it. Um, the concerning thing for me, which is what I said to my dad when it happened, was realistically Fulham, Bournemouth, Blackburn, probably, Forest, they're, they're not missing a chance like that. You know, we if we gift that to one of those teams in a playoff game or in a game towards the end of the season where we're trying to make automatics, we're, we're conceding there. So as much as it's a big miss, you know, the concentration from the back three is, is completely gone there and he's just been allowed to get the ball between the two of them and he's missed a guilt-edged opportunity. But Yeah, the only thing that I could possibly say that might save us there is that when I'm looking at the replays, I kind of thought that there was a suggestion that he might be offside. I know the uh, Adoma and Barbe in particular go mental at the linesman after the, he misses the chance. And I, I think it probably is offside, but it's a marginal call. But he, that whole game, and we're going to cover the, the most controversial decision very shortly, but the whole game, the officials had this very interesting definition of what offside was. Because a lot of us, were, a lot of our players were getting called, caught offside from quite strange positions, um, quite wide out, specifically at chair... Um, Willock players that aren't usually offside because they'd like to sort of hold up the play a little bit if it was Andre Gray I'd understand but it wasn't so I was a little bit confused and a little bit doubtful but as I said the most controversial one Albert Adoma in in the 90th minute on the clock at least um, I mean he scores and he's onside Dan yeah another dodgy offside decision going against the Damer. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was, it looked, it looked definitely, um, well, it looked just on. It was very, very tight um, in, in fairness to the linesman, but I mean, we were, we were, I think our, most, we have most of our joy um, in at their back post. I mean, obviously, chair chance, a Doma chance. We, um, a Doma had that chance where Ingram, um, was concussed for a short period, a long, quite a long period of time. Um, so it felt like it was coming from that, from that area of the pitch, but um, no, it's, it's frustrating more than anything. Yeah. Um, and as you mentioned there, Matt Ingram, it's kind of, it was really disappointing actually to see him go off because nothing's ever gone right for him at uh, QPR. So he's picked up a bad injury and he also had some of his worst performances of his career. So, you know, hopefully he's, uh, fit again soon um <clears throat> the one thing that i well not just me but it's actually something that i think my dad screamed at me 
after the uh, linesman had put up his flag. But the shot from Willock is deflected from a Blackpool player. Not Blackpool, Hull. Um, and then it falls to Adoma, who obviously is in an onside position anyway. It may be difficult for the linesman and referee to see it. They obviously haven't seen it, but there was definitely a pretty obvious deflection there um, to knock it into Adoma's path. And I just this kind is a of... good question, actually, because the other week, I had a goal disallowed for my 11-a-side team for the same reason. And we were having this argument at full time where if you deflect it, is it not? Surely it's not offside. It can't be. I don't know How can it be offside? Around. Yeah. Because like, it, that means you could play a back pass to your keeper and if the striker runs on and catches it and scores, then he's offside. Yeah. So it doesn't make sense. No, it's... Uh... It's bizarre. Like there was definitely a deflection, um, and I think everyone around me saw it and went absolutely mental at the sight of it. But I guess it's further uh, proof that there needs to be a bit more training given to EFL officials on what exactly the rules of the game are. Uh, finally, on Hull, Lucas, you haven't got. You've got three minutes before this Zoom call runs out. Um, would a win? been fair for us if we had managed to clinch it would a win have been fair for us in some senses it would have been given that um oh is a win fair for us I think at the end of the day I think given the balance of play um um up until um up until Ingram got injured and after he got stretched off and went straight into the ambulance I think I think a draw is a. I think a draw is just about fair. I reckon. On another day, we nick it. On another day, Hull nick it. But I think, I think a draw is a fair result. I think okay. I'm, I'm just going straight down the middle here, being a bit boring. Right, and Dan, would a win been a fair result, or would Hull been a bit feel right to be aggrieved by a loss? No, I think, I think if anything, we probably should have won. First half, they didn't really feel like they tested us much. Uh, apart from their goal, obviously. And then second half, it was pretty much one-way traffic, are we? Mike, you can have the final word then. Yeah, I have the final word in that. <laughs> yeah, we, we we deserve to win, but I, I do feel as though if you look at this, I think we had like 70% possession and stuff. The stats make it look like we were way better than we were. I think we just deserved to win more than yeah. anything. Regardless, I think... It was important to stop the rot. And uh, that performance in the second half certainly helped us in the game. We're about to talk about Blackpool in the next segment of this podcast. Right, so uh, moving on from Hull. Blackpool last night, a win at last. I say at last, it's only been a couple of games. Um, But still, it was a good performance, no less, for a number of reasons. And let's start with the logical place, as we did with Hull. Let's start the lineup. We've already covered it a little bit. There was no striker or no recognised striker. Willock and Chair, maybe Willock slightly more advanced at most points when they were both on the pitch together. And Johansson was in a sort of cam position as well. Um, Dan, do you want to just take us through what your thoughts were when both our team and Blackpool's team was announced last night? Yeah. Um, I've, I think like everyone 
I was a bit surprised, uh, not necessarily in a bad way with our lineup, but um, I don't think I was expecting two false nines, let alone one. Um, I, I can, from what Walton said, I think he wanted to overload the midfield, but that was probably putting it putting it kindly, to be honest. And then Blackpool, they changed their system as well um, to a wing-back system, which didn't really work um, the first half. I think the intention was to match up with us, but they they posed pretty much zero threat, especially in the first half, at least. Yeah, uh, Lucas, we mentioned Austin's performance on Saturday, but you know they've, they've gone into this game with no recognised striker starting. Um, yet you've got Andre Gray on the bench. As far as I'm aware, he's not injured. So it was, you know, is it a little bit unfair on him, do you think? Uh, perhaps, but I mean, Blackpool, they're a good side to experiment things against. Um, maybe it's just a, maybe it's just an experiment to see how we play with perhaps Chet Willock playing as like a centre forward or chair as a false nine, if you like. But um, yeah, I think from what I've seen, it definitely worked. Um, but it, it was interesting seeing the lineup at first, seeing that we had no recognised striker on the pitch, and that both Austin and Gray were on the bench. Yeah, so as I said, I think we played quite well. But in the first half, when we did have the full complement of players, I thought we moved the ball a little bit quicker. It's, it's out, maybe sound lazy, but that is one of the big issues that we've faced over the last couple of games, just being perhaps in too much possession. And I thought. If you look at the second half, once Sanderson did get sent off, um, we did to Blackpool what other teams generally do to us. They sit quite, we sit quite deep. There was two banks, clear defined banks of players, so there wasn't a lot of space. Uh, they pr- pressed and harried, and they, you know, they did a good job. But I find that that's what some teams have been doing to us, allowing us to have a lot of the ball. Whereas if a team comes on to us a little bit more, and I know at the start of the season we've had issues of gag and pressing and stuff like that, maybe not too much bad this season, I think. But I feel like if there's a team coming on to us a bit more, willing to engage us, there's obviously that more space and the game is a bit higher tempo anyway. But if teams sit back against us, let us dictate the play a bit too much, we tend to overdo it or not really do much with the ball at all. Dan, what, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, I think that's a fair comment. Um, I certainly felt in possession, um, we gained territory better than the last two games. We pinned their wing-backs um, high in the first half. I did think the issue, well, from the off anyway, was always going to be there wasn't really an out ball. There were, we didn't have the dikes to, to, go, to go straight to. Um, I felt we went quite early direct, um, especially with the channel balls. We, we lost quite a lot of, of possession by needlessly um, lumping it up to Willock and Cher, who just can't really hold it up to the to the likes of our other strikers. Um, but no, it was was definitely better on the ball and against their press as well. I thought we did quite well. Yeah, those balls over the, over the top, they weren't quite, they're not really route one, but they were sort of, I think, intended to sort of just drop over the shoulder so that you can get Willock and Chair turning in behind, gives their players something to worry about. Didn't always come off, looked a little bit better, but I 
appreciated the fact that they were trying to do something different or at least you know maybe not radically different but you know they they did try to change things so you know they and it came it came off in the end i guess you could say uh but i think i would agree say that we weren't really threatening too much regardless of the improvement until the set pieces from johansson it was two set pieces in a row um obviously the barbie one that gets missed but um jimmy dunn scores the first one um but these are two fantastic crosses, weren't they? Specifically the second one, which I'm not really sure how Barbe missed. I think perhaps Hendrik just runs across his sight, so he kind of sees it a bit late. I don't know. But let's talk about that goal. Well-deserved, do we think? I think I think so. Um, it was a well-worked set piece. I think, I don't know who... Um, I'd be interested to know who does our set pieces or who's in charge of them. I think they do. Whoever, whoever organises them deserves some some sort of credit. I think they've, well, for me anyway, they've drastically improved from last season. I think we don't, we're not afraid to mix it up, go a bit different. We've I think we scored ten set piece goals this season already, which has surpassed our total of last season. Um, it's just the fine margins in games. Obviously, we're great in open play. Not of late, but we can break teams down, and if we can score from set pieces too, then that can that can give us the edge. Yeah, I think just before the goal, there was a corner from chair where they all sort of line up just in f- behind the penalty spot, and then they do change their mind, and you can see them. There's ov- like you said, there's clearly been quite a bit of work gone into it because he ba- he does a signal, bounces the ball or whatever, and then they all move in on the goalkeeper. Yeah. And it, it, you know, I don't know whether this is a ploy specifically for Black Blackpool. I'm sure we've done it at other times throughout the season. I'm pretty sure we probably did it at Hull, and I just haven't picked it up. But I just thought it was interesting, like you said, that the work that's clearly been done on the training ground, and there's a good example of it. So yeah, Dunn gets up, good header, as we're saying, head it, kick it, defender. He's helpful in the opposition's box as well at scoring goals. I did think actually there was a slight deflection on it, not wanting to take take it away from him, but I, I generally thought there might have been a deflection. And I did suggest at the time it was no goal, but I think it's too inconclusive to give it to someone else there. But it all goes a little bit wrong in the second half, very quickly. Lucas, the headbutt incident. What what's your thoughts around this? Um yeah, there was there was no need for that. Goes without saying, no, no need for that. Pretty, pretty reckless and a bit strange as well. Um, okay, I'll get that. Um, Sanderson had been fouled and he started. He started squaring up to his man, which I found found it very, very strange. I must say, um, I've seen him to other clubs this season. Not, not, not seen him to us. So, I think it was just a matter of when or if one of our players would lose our heads like that, and it would happen to us. But it happened last night and. I said it was really, really unusual and odd. And it must have been a bit of a rush of blood to the head. Um, I guess these things happen, these rushes of blood to the head. But yeah, it was, it was weird, strange. It's one of these things where whether you get much contact, whether the player goes to the ground or not, you put your head into another player and it's pretty much automatically a red card if the referee sees it. You don't really get away with that, um, even though obviously the Blackpool player walked away from it. It was a stupid thing for him to do. Um, 
we didn't mention this in the chat about Hull, but he did make a really nice recovery run and show his pace, something that would be quite useful for us, I guess, with the fact that our back three is slow and lumbering most of the time. Um, so, you know, he there's the good side of him. And then I don't want to say the bad side as if he sort of does this all the time because he doesn't. Um, but it was a little bit of inexperience, I guess, in the moment. But Dan, with he's had the opportunity with Dickey suspended. Now he's going to be suspended for at least one game. I don't know what the sort of punishment will be, but what do you think of his performances across the two games? No, I've, I've liked him. Like you said, um, he is that different skill set to our other centre-halves where he has more mobility, more pace. Um, he's been able to stop a few transitions in the last few games. Um, I I don't think... I think he's a different different type of defender to Dickey, which isn't a bad thing. Um I think generally Dickey is a bit better in possession, better stepping up into the midfield uh, with the ball. Um, but Sanderson can do a job there and um, he's proved that Barber, the, the Russia blood or the red card, that, um, that he's more than good enough to step into the, to the back three. Yeah. And then uh, after that, it's very much back to the wall. Um, obviously, this is me highlighting why I'm not really a manager, but I said to you Dan at half time uh, bring on and Andre Gray to have a little bit more presence up top uh, winning the balls and stuff like that but they went with a different option I'd have taken off chair but he decided to take off Willock with Walton and he brings on Don Ball so they can go back to the uh, five at the back which they're familiar with which I guess there's nothing wrong with but I think I kind of thought in the situation it's a bit of an over-reliance on one formation. At some point, you have got to change it when you're forced into it. Um, we know he's a bit stubborn in his ways, Warbs, but it, we get the win in the end. So I guess it doesn't really matter. And the subs that he did make made a massive influence in, on the game. But before all of that, the pressure finally told and it was an ex-QPR player popping up with the goal, wasn't it? Dan, what did you think of the Blackpool equaliser? Um, probably one of those. Um, I'm trying to think of the game it happened to now. What was the What was the game recently where we failed to clear our lines? Or the It was the second. Was it Middlesbrough? It was Middlesbrough, wasn't it? Um, yes. Yeah. It It was one of those where obviously we were, we were happy sitting sitting in and deep, um, and they've they've put a ball in from from a quite deep area. I think it's done that fails to to clear the ball uh, properly. And then it falls falls to bowl, uh, to bowler. It's a good strike in fairness. I think it takes a deflection, but um, like you said, that that pressure from Blackpool at least was was coming all half. So to be fair to them, they did. Although they probably didn't have too many brilliant chances, they probably did deserve it on the basis of their their dominance. Yeah, uh, and the, the other reason I kind of thought bring on Gray just because with his physique, he might be able to hold up the ball. A bit better. Obviously, chair is going up against like tiny, <laughs> tiny chairs going up against the biggest centre backs in the league. <laughs> just sort of think this is just going to come straight back at us. We're not even going to be able to progress to the ball because any time that you try and play out, they've got an additional man over us. So, just so I didn't quite understand it in the situation, and it kind of you get away with it in the end. But I thought I think even if that what they could have done was allow Steph to drop deeper. 
play him alongside field and send Hendrick in that more advanced role and use Hendrick's height because then you've got an out ball, haven't you? I'm not saying play him as a striker, but for the goal kicks, at least, you've got an, a target to aim for. Every ball was going up towards your Hansen and Jet, and they weren't, they were, they were game, they were going for it, they were trying their best to win it, but it, they were fighting a losing battle. Um, and I guess it is kind of luck in the end that we get away with it a little bit and perhaps poor quality on Blackpool's path, but whatever. Um, but then the two substitutions that changed the game for us, Luke Amos and George Thomas, two of the players that have been maligned by the fan base, let's say, at various points of their QPR career. So, Lucas, it was nice to see a goal where both of them were involved and Amos has proven quite clinical at the moment. And, you know, nice to see Thomas chip in with an assist, isn't it? Oh, well, I was absolutely delighted for the lads. Probably good to see. <laughs> I see Dan smiling there. <laughs> um, yeah, I was on, on, a, on a real one. It's it's great to see him getting those goal contributions that he he needs for his confidence. I think it was really good to see him chipping in with that all important assist for the winning goal. Um, I I thought at first he was gonna he was gonna be credited with the goal because it did look like his cross was eventually gonna swerve in, but gets the assist. I thought he, I thought he wouldn't get any credit for it after it after at first it went down as no G. But then within a few minutes he was getting credited for the assist and he was getting credited with the goal, which is also quite fitting because it was Luke Hamilton's birthday yesterday, big up 25. Um but yeah I think it's really nice to see both of them linking up for what was what could go on to be quite a important goal in the course of the season. Yeah, Dan, sum up your feelings when Georgie Boy got involved with the goals. Um, yeah, I was I was ecstatic, ecstatic to be fair. Um, I mean, it was a, firstly it was a great ball by um, Odebajo to Thomas, um, who I think ran the he ran into the channel. Uh, that's probably one of his main main uh, strengths of his. Um, and then he takes on the defender one on one, which well. For the last what two months or so, people are saying his one v one ability is non-existent, um, and then puts in a puts in a ball into the box and uh, good instinct by Amos and Furness. Um, his movement in that box for that for that goal was, was pretty impressive. But um, now it was a well worked goal, and you could see you could see just from the the celebrations both after the goal and after the game how much it meant to to, well, to Thomas personally and to to the teammates that he uh, kind of got that relief off his, his shoulders. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a good, hard-fought victory. And it was nice, actually, to be in the ground and feel in the second half because the, the crowd understood what the situation was. We needed to hold on to this 1-0 uh, position. And, you know, obviously, in the end, we don't hold on to the 1-0, but we get the win. And it was nice just to have the crowd not getting on their backs, basically. They were... We were behind them, singing songs, encouraging them. And uh, there wasn't too much moaning and groaning going on. It was what always... Was... Sorry, I wasn't at the game. What was the reaction like when Thomas came on the pitch? Very like, silent. What? That, 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 that's what I expected. Very um, silent. And I bet they were the ones that were, were cheering when he scored. Uh, well, yeah, every, everyone was cheering when, yeah. when the goal went in. But yeah. that's no different. That's no different. It's like when anyone else scores. I've said it many times. He, he's just a footballer who will put in the effort 
he may not have the quality. There's no reason to hate him. There's no rational reason. And if you do, you need to look at yourself. Um, so it's nice to see t- those two get, get involved with the goals and assists. And it's good to have a nice feeling again, leaving the Kind Prince Foundation Stadium, because that win takes us up to third, just two points behind Bournemouth, who sit in second. Uh, they do have three games in hand over us. But still, would rather have the points on the board in this situation because I think we know with the game against Swansea and the game against Barnsley and Peterborough and stuff like that, it's an old cliche, but you don't get easy games in the championship. So they could quite easily lose those games um, and we could find ourselves second. Who knows? But the next game is all we can focus on. And that comes pretty quickly, 12.30 kickoff away at Blackburn. They had an interesting time last night, losing to Sheffield United. Um, what what were we expecting from Blackburn at the weekend? Um, expecting them to be competitive, given what is at stake for this game, third versus fourth. Um, it's it's a colossal game um, between two of the heavyweights in the league this season, if you like. Um, and you can guarantee there will be passion and there will be goals as well. And bear in mind, this is a Blackburn side who over the last six matches, I believe, are 21st in the form table. But this is also a QPR side who haven't won at Ewood Park since 1999. I don't want to call anything. Um, don't want to call the shots. But I just, I just, I'm just going to say it'll be a good one. Dan, what, what are you hoping for? What are you expecting from Blackburn? Um, a bit like Lucas said, really. Um, they've got I've got points proven. I think they're winless and goalless in the last five. Um, which yeah, is quite... no points for Blackburn. Have they got a point? No, no wins for Blackburn in February. No wins. Yeah, I don't think they've scored either in no. the last five. Um, so I think they scored one, something like that. No, there's no so goals they... in the last five. They've. I think they're in the last six. They might have scored one, but um, yeah, yeah. Um, Bros and DS obviously out injured for. For an unknown unknown time, really. So that's a that's a big miss. They've still got they've still got some some very good players. You think of um, I'm big Mario Joe Rothwell. Um, he's got a quite unique skill set, ball carrying centre midfielder. He has that X factor that can change games um, with by fine margins. Um, obviously, the likes of Ryan Giles, um, who we'll know well from being linked within January. Uh, I think he's got nine, ten assists this season. Um, probably one of the best deliveries or dead ball specialists in the league. Um, one of the left foot. And then they've got a few Bright- Brighton loanies. Um, if anyone knows Brighton's recruitment and academy, it's probably one of the best in the in the Premier League. So some good players like Sir Paul Van Heck and Kadra. Yeah, um, well, one player... The- the uh, is it Reda Kadra? He, um, I think, yeah, Kadra looking at the highlights from last night's game, and an attempt on his life was made after Charlie Good tried to. <laughs> I don't know Aww. what he was doing, but Charlie Good got sent off, and it doesn't really relate to anything. But it, the commentator said that is a challenge from Good that is anything but. Now, I don't want to <laughs> uh, steal a job from. Adam Hurry on football cliches, but Dan, does that get your approval at all? That sort of commentary. Um, 
I don't know, a bit, it's a bit, bit cheesy, isn't it? Um, yeah, a bit, bit, bit cringy. Um, no, no, not, it's not for me, really. It's a bit forced, isn't it? Um, it is. Yeah, so, you know, hopefully um, we'll be able to get the win this weekend. And obviously, Lucas pointed out the terrible record that we've got away from home at Blackburn. But Warburton has led us to wins at places where we haven't won in absolute donkeys. You think in Hull, perhaps Swansea, I think, oh. as well. I don't know, Cardiff, Swansea. perhaps. I don't know. But the, you um, know, the, I think lot... we've been okay at Cardiff down the years. I think one which sticks out to me was to just just last game before lockdown, Preston. Oh, yeah. Preston. We hadn't won at Preston in like 40 years, and then we go and beat them 3 1. Yeah. Um, looking at more of what we're going to do, would you like to see us line up without a, a recognised striker again? Probably not. Um, no, if if Dykes is fit, he goes straight in for me. Uh, I think the majority of people would say that uh, he's our best striker. And yeah, when fit, we should we should be playing him. No room for Andre Gray if Dykes isn't fit. Away yeah, goal yeah. specialist, I believe. All goals. Yeah, away no, from I'd, home. I'd, I'd have Gray if if Dykes isn't fit. Um, but Dykes is just. A lot better in contact than Gray. That's not. It's not. A, it's not any criticism of Gray, but he gives us something different. Um, and I don't think we're really gonna really gonna be needing that. Well, from the start on Saturday. And um, so, in that case, I assume you're going to be taking someone out of midfield, one of Johansson, Field, or Hendrick. Who's it going to be? Um, for me, it'd be Hendrick, but it's. It, I don't know. It feels feels somewhat harsh after his performance against Blackpool. Um, yeah, I I still stand by the fact that Johansson and Phil is our best midfield partnership, and Johansson's probably still one of the first team names on the team sheet for me. Lucas, would you agree? Um, it's really really difficult. Obviously, Phil no, at the moment. No sitting on the fence this time because I listened back to what you said last week. Oh, uh, <laughs> nice sitting on the fence, please. Because, because obviously, um, Field's been looking undroppable at the minute, but I, I, <laughs> it's really hard to decide. But if I had to go for someone, then our record, I'd probably go for Johansson on the basis that our record without Johansson starting this season has actually been quite good, and um, because I've noticed that we. Oh, um, the cup matches against League One sides. No, 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 no. Um, um, <laughs> um, games like the reverse fixture against Blackburn, Birmingham, um, t- Barnsley. Um, but, um, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, Birmingham home and away. Um, Coventry, I believe, to name a few. Um, so I would. It probably have to be him on the base of that, and that we're looking for a result on Saturday. Um, okay, I would say that you've got. I mean, I made my thoughts on Stephanie Hansen perfectly clear. He is the leader of the side, so you know that's uh, that's the way it is. But you know, each to their own. But it, this is the problem that we have when you have two players like Chair and Willock playing. They are by far our most talented players and have to be in the side. Um, 
so it causes a bit of an imbalance because you've got two players that want to play essentially the same position. If you just had Willock, if you just had Chair, or if you had someone, if one of them was like of clear less quality, then you could just have one of them play in the attacker midfield role. You could still play your five at the back, but you could have those three midfielders. And we look more solid when we have three more midfielders because I feel like it's allowed allows one of them to be more released and that you're not having to do as much work you know it just makes it a little bit easier it also gives you the option to go two up top a little bit more often um probably why ultimately as much as we do miss chair when he went away with morocco it wasn't that bad for us because it made the decisions a lot more simple willick starts in the midfield as an attacking player and you just build everything around him it's very rare for teams to build their sides around two attacking midfielders. It doesn't really happen. And when it does, you know, we're doing well, but it kind of, it can pose some weaknesses and you can struggle with it. Um, so, yeah, I think what we've decided, we want a striker at least up top. We need someone with a presence up top, which I think is more than fair enough. So finally, Let's take some predictions. I can't remember what anyone predicted for the previous two games, so I won't make any comments on that. Um, and there's no point you remembering because I'll just deny it if you predicted the right scores. So let's have Lucas's first for Blackburn. Um, or um, it's going to be a good game. Um, it's going to be really, really. Fu- it's going to be really, really high tempo, um, given what's at stake. Um, and for us. Um, for us, for us, what's at stake is a place, albeit only briefly, in the top two. Um, um, but I'm, I'm going to be a bit conservative here. I'm going to say it's going to be a very entertaining 2-2 um, two, two draw. And? Um, no, I'm confident in this game. Um, with Blackburn, a bit, of a, a bit of a bad run. I think we can, we can extend that. So I'm going to say, say a 1-0 win. I'll certainly go with Dan's result over Lucas's. But regardless, that is the end of the podcast for this week. Thank you to Dan, to Lucas and to Micah, who's had to disappear for his football training, for joining me. Um, all the usual things. We're all on Twitter, so please go and give us a follow if you like to see us drivel on about things outside of QPR. Uh, our generation net on twitter on instagram as well please go follow us on there please also follow the podcast on spotify on apple Podcasts, so you can get it as quickly as possible into your chosen podcast provider and we do have an email address alex rgen at yahoo.com if you so need to contact us in for whatever way so uh we will be back next week to talk about blackburn and whatever games we have to preview but until then thank you very much for listening and come on you ask <laughs>